If it matters to you, it matters to us. Call Tip today on 1-800-938-007. Well, it's time for our monthly tech slots. I'm glad to be joined now by Niall Kitson of techcentral.ie. Niall, good morning to you. Good morning. And uh, much to talk about today. Um, Would you bring us up to speed on good old uh, Elon Musk and the whole business of charging Ukraine for the use of that Starlink broadband? Um, I'm I'm just not certain about that. Can you give us the background to this? Yeah. Now, Elon Musk got an awful lot of good PR when he announced that he was going to give use of Starlink broadband to Ukraine for free. Now, Starlink is a satellite-based network, so it doesn't have any physical infrastructure on the ground, which is fantastic from a military perspective because it means there's no actual assets that can be bombed or or taken out. So it makes great sense for uh, Ukraine to be using uh, satellite broadband. And as we've discovered, the Ukrainian army is much more technologically advanced by the Russian army. So they're making great use of broadband from a command and control perspective, whereas the Russian army has been found to be severely lacking, very often using you know, dated walkie-talkies or, or mobile phones even to, to get messages across from one place to another. So it was a great win for Elon Musk. Um, however, if for anyone following him on Twitter, you'll see that he's gotten very opinionated on Ukraine and Russia in recent times, uh, especially when he tweeted out a potential peace plan uh, that effectively required ceding control of Crimea to Russia and uh, forcing Ukraine to become neutral and not to uh, join NATO. Of course, this did not go down very, very well at all, uh, because as we all know, the argument goes that, you know, uh, Russia can leave Ukraine. Uh, however, the Ukrainian people kind of like their country and would rather not be wiped out. So um, this is this is kind of the situation. And thank you very much for your broadband, Mr. Musk. Mm. But uh, please don't get involved in, in the politics of the situation. Um, ever since, we know that Elon Musk is, is incredibly thin-skinned when it comes to uh, criticism. Uh, so I'm sure in a not-related not, uh, development at all, uh, came out and tweeted that... Uh, you know, so, so, some other countries, some other businesses were making an awful lot of money off this uh, and he's giving it for free. Uh, however, he has backtracked uh, and he said, you know, uh, to, to quote his, his tweet, even though Starlink is still losing money and other companies are getting billions of taxpayer dollars, we'll just keep funding the Ukrainian government for free. Which sounds very benevolent on one level. It's like, yeah, okay, that's great. We see what's going on. We support the Ukrainian people. We will support the Ukrainian army um, by facilitating their superior technology. However, the way it's worded is that, you know, we are supporting the government for free. Um, there's, there's definitely a sting in the tail there. That Absolutely, he's not for happy sure. About Who that. was he looking for to pay him, though? I mean, was he looking for dollars for this? He was looking for dollars, yes. Right. Uh, and this this is, you know, uh, very much, I, I don't want to say it as jab against the Biden administration, mm. but uh, I wonder if Mr. Trump was still in office, would, would we still be actually, in fairness, we wouldn't be having this conversation about Probably Ukraine not. at all. Mm. But uh, it, it would make you wonder if there was a president sympathetic to uh, Mr. Musk's uh, politics, uh, because we know that he is very much in the libertarian camp, because mm. uh, it's very easy for a rich person to consider themselves a libertarian it when is. they're not—they're not going to be affected by the consequences of what they say very often. 
So, uh, yeah, I, I think it's very much a, a function of maybe he doesn't like who's in the White House. Maybe he doesn't like how little he's being paid. Maybe he doesn't like the, the PR backlash. Uh, that got for trying to, you know, put put forward a peace plan or be seen as some sort of peacemaker or, if you will, a deal maker. Um, so yeah, yeah, it's, it's interesting. It's, it's it's kind of petty and childish, though, isn't it? I mean, when you consider. <laughs> Well, I mean, he's not—he's not known for being the most. Um, I don't say, you know, level-headed. I mean, the man's work ethic is undeniable. Yes. However, he is somewhat eccentric. Yeah, just a tad. And speaking of which, um, what, what about the situation with Twitter? What's what's the latest on that? Is he or isn't he? Well, this is the thing. There is actually a court action coming to compel him to finish uh, the, the um, yeah. purchase of of, uh, of Twitter. Um, so it's still kind of in limbo. Uh, when last I heard, there was some sort of agreement in place between two parties. Um, but the judge involved in the case said, well, look, I haven't heard anything. So as far as I'm concerned, it's it's still on. Interesting, isn't it? Will you tell me about Kenya West? What is this story about buying Parler? Yeah. Now, just to frame things a little bit, Parler is a right-wing social network in the in the vein of Twitter. Mm. So Twitter is it's getting its act together when it comes to content moderation. It has standards in place. People can be reported and banned. And, you know, it's not perfect by any stretch of the imagination because we still have a bot problem. We still have a propaganda problem. There's an awful lot of misinformation floating about. However... If you don't really want to be exposed to ideas that are, you know, contrary to your own, especially if you're on the right, you've got a couple of good options there. You've got one social network called Gab, which was associated pretty much with the alt-right. And I suppose, you know, the soft end, maybe, Mm. of of right-wing discourse. Of course, we have Donald Trump's Truth Social, which is his his personal megaphone. That uh, It actually seems to have a user base, but... Depending on, you know, whether people are just going on to, to look at it for, you know, rubberneck purposes or whether they're actually engaging, like, kind mm. of a kind of a question unto itself. And, now, and then we have Parler, which is a social network that has uh, very much got wrapped up in sort of the, the hard right rhetoric, if you will. Um, it got off of iTunes and Google Play um, for allowing hate speech. It was recently uh, allowed back on both. Um, because the, they undertook sort of a, um, an agreement to say, okay, we're going to introduce moderation. We're no longer going to be free speech absolutists. But it didn't come out of nowhere either. It was funded by uh, John Matz and Rebecca Mercer, the, the latter you might be familiar with because her family was involved in Cambridge Analytica. Ah, okay. So uh, a yes. very um, kind of well-known person mm. for funding... Um, uh, candidates in the Republican Party. She actually ran for office at one stage as well and, and failed. Um, so, you know, a very um, politically active party on the right. So they, this was kind of meant to be um, a right-wing alternative. Unfortunately, it got wrapped up in an awful lot of very unsavoury politics. So instead of having, you know, a place where people on the right can, you know, have a, a civilised discourse and share ideas, it was actually, you know, populated by extremists. Uh, which is not, you know, how how you want a social network to run, especially when you're saying, you know, here's a safe space, go say what you want. When when people kind of abuse that and, and sort of uh, spread lies and conspiracy theories, it's it's not a good look. Right, so what about Kenya West and his attraction to yeah. this then? So Kanye has had 
big problems with Twitter and Instagram uh, and has been banned from the platform. Uh, he was recently allowed back on, but rapidly, um, rapidly mm. banned again because he came out with some anti-Semitic statements. Mm. Fairly, you know, fairly obvious. I mean, there, there is no gaslighting here at all. And um, the exact line that he used was, uh, "I'm going to go Defcon three now." He spelled it wrong, so we're not entirely sure whether he understands what DEFCON 3 is. Yeah. But he yeah. basically made a, a, a fairly obvious and, and unsubtle anti-Semitic threat. So um, he was he was kicked off for a fairly vagrant terms of service violation. What does somebody do? Well, you go and maybe buy your own social network. You, you do what Elon Musk did. Yeah. So we don't know how much money he has actually parted uh, for War parlor. The deal still hasn't closed yet, so there's still an awful lot of mystery up in the air. Oddly enough, Elon stepped in uh, and said, "You know, I'm kind of worried about him. Uh, I had a bit of a heart to heart, and I think he's taken some of my points on board." Um, of course, I doubt it, but mm. um, you know, it's <laughs> as it's very easy to do, and we'll we'll see where it goes. Um, I I think this is a very strange decision. As we know, uh, there's been a lot of speculation about Kanye West's um, mental health, yes. whether he's actually suffering from bipolar disorder. Maybe some of the uh, things that are happening in his private life have really unsettled him uh, in recent times. Mm. So there's an awful lot maybe bubbling away in the background of the story. Um, you can be fairly sure that you know, Mr. West is not interested or, or in amplifying a, a lot of the opinions and spread on parlor, but again, like Donald Trump, if he wants his own personal megaphone, maybe this might be the way to do it. Maybe so, indeed. I, I was also interested to read uh, on Tech Central about an algorithm that's pushing up rents in the United States. Um, what, what is that about? Yeah, so there's a company called Realstar, Yieldstar, sorry, and they're sort of kind of a property management company, uh, and they would be responsible for letting out. Um, for, uh, sorry, the algorithm is called Yield Star, which is which is what's going to be causing us an awful lot of problem. And it's used by a company called Realpage. Now, Realpage is very involved in setting rents in the United States. I'll give you an example of their reach. Uh, in Seattle, seventy percent of the apartments on the manage on the market are managed by ten property companies, very small amount of companies, all of which use this software developed by. RealPage. And basically what RealPage uh, have done is they've taken a, a big data approach to things. So they want to find out who is spending what on which apartment, at what time of the year, what money do they make, where are these apartments. They, they take an awful lot of sort of that um, data that's generated that maybe we don't think mm. is particularly valuable. I mean, we might think that landlords are, are putting up rents just by looking at what people are paying already and mm. adding 5% or, or whatever. Um, however, RealPage, actually, they developed a, a method behind it that will actually guarantee um, you know, the people letting out apartments. And oddly enough, if you have a, a building um, with multiple tenants in it, sometimes the advice that, you know, sometimes you're off leaving a unit vacant if you can charge everyone else in the building X amount more. So there's a lot of sort of moving parts to this, but it's very scary because, you know, it is completely impersonal. It requires no sense of um, uh, empathy on the part of the companies involved. They can point to, point to something very um, methodical, very scientific and say, look, this is what the data is telling us. This is what the market will bear.
It's very interesting, is and it's particularly interesting, I suppose, in the light dial of the issues that we have here with with uh, uh, homes and apartments and all of that kind of thing as well. Um, podcast recommendations for us? Yeah, I talked a couple of months ago with you about Dublin by Gaslight, which yes. is sort of, you know this wonderful um, bird ghost story um, uh, show. There's another one uh, again Irish as well called Petrified. Um, and this is, these are stories all written by a gentleman called Peter Dunn, produced by Liam Garrity, who might be familiar in radio circles. Um, and these are just basically 30-minute stories of the uncanny with a, a, a fairly, you know, a, a fairly set, r- rotating cast. So, you, you know, you, you'll get to know uh, a lot of voices uh, as you go through it. But, uh, great little shows, really nice production value. And for the season that's in it, you can't really go wrong. Absolutely. Niall, it's always a pleasure. Thank you for your time and good morning to you. That's Niall Kitson there of techcentral.ie. And I always recommend that to you if you're into things techy or tech news, techcentral.ie. And that was Niall Kitson speaking to us there.